everybody doing this morning hopefully you're doing just fine and dandy even if your name isn't randy i'm hoping i don't have a lot of this morning seems i'm a little bit froggy today um hopefully you're doing well where you are we are in first corinthians the fifth chapter sixth chapter actually and uh, today doesn't sound like all that exciting of uh, a subject matter, and I'll put the heading up for you here so you can see the heading. Uh, if you looked at the title, you'll notice that the title is uh, about lawsuits, and the heading that we see here, this is the NIV heading that uh, is found, uh, if any, uh, lawsuits among believers, uh, and, and this is the subject matter of today now. It is not my uh, plan to necessarily uh, 
cover all uh, aspects of uh, all aspects of you know should should a Christian ever sue? That isn't what I'm thinking. I, I'm going to cover today because the heading says lawsuits among believers. Uh, but it does it does raise a question. I, I don't know about you, but any time I hear Christian, the, the first thing that comes out of Christian's mouth when something negative has happened is, I'll sue, I'll sue. It tells me a lot about the heart, really. Uh, when, when that is the mentality of, I'll just sue them. Um, really, I mean, it, it does say something about the maturity. It does say something about the biblical knowledge. It does say something about... Um, the value of relationships and things like that to this individual. So when we when when I hear a, a Christian say, whether it's with another Christian or with a non-Christian, when the first recourse is lawsuit, that again, um, that just tells you something about the formation of thought uh, and the formation of the heart of uh, the individual. And so we're going to get into this. This may be a little bit of a shorter broadcast today, possibly. We'll see. I say that sometimes. Then I end up going the full 30 minutes um, just because we are only uh, covering about eight verses this morning, uh, unless I bleed over into the next uh, verses, which I don't think I want to do today. Uh, so we're in First Corinthians. We're in the sixth chapter. Picking it up here, let me read verses six, uh, verses one through eight, and uh, and we'll come back and give us some explanation. If any of you has a dispute with his brother, dare he take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if you're to judge the world, you are uh, are are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels how much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, appoint as judges uh, even men of little account in the church. I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? Um. But instead, one brother goes to law against another, and this in front of unbelievers. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you've been completely defeated already. Why rather not be wronged? Why rather not be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers. Now, this is a rather telling section of Scripture here. Uh based upon the activity that we see taking place here. But then some of what Paul says in, in the opening verses, talking about our competency and talking about even what we ourselves will judge. But the question is, do we have the mind of God? Do we have the heart of God? Do we Are we pursuing God's knowledge? Are we pursuing God's way of thinking about things that that is a question that we we have to ask apparently what was taking place is that they were taking each other to courts to settle issues um and, and what paul and jesus before paul would have had people do is to work out their differences 
But what happens? Pride of human heart gets in the way. What happens? Uh, uh, the uh, Not being able to humble oneself. I was in a conversation with somebody yesterday about uh, a misunderstanding. And it had nothing to do with me. I, I was just talking with somebody about a misunderstanding. Uh, and one person accused another person of something. Um, and it, it was... It was a significant accusation, actually. Uh, you know, probably a, a several hundred dollar accusation. Uh, and when it all came out, in the end, the person making the accusation realized there was an error. Realized that uh, you know it was it was something on their end of the situation. But that person never came back and said, you know, I. I really said some harsh things about you, and I, I really called your character into question, uh, even in front of other people. And I was really wrong about that. I'm very sorry. Um, never happened. We sometimes seem to have a hard time humbling ourselves in, in front of other people. We have a hard time coming out and saying, look, I, I, I just, I wronged you. I, I wronged you in what I had to say. I wronged you in um, in my thoughts about you. I wronged you in my accusations against you. Uh, when, we, when we mess up, what, what's the phrase? I haven't said this in quite some time now. We mess up, we fess up. Same is true in a relationship. It isn't just messing up and fessing up to God. It's messing up and fessing up to each other to be able to say to another person, look, I I, I felt ill of you, or, or I said harsh things to you, or I fill in the blank, whatever it is. Jesus seems to make much, and I'll take us back to this verse. I believe that this is a verse that, that Christians just need to know and need to live out because Jesus brings it right down to the heart of the matter. It's found in the book of Matthew, the fifth chapter. And this is what it said. You've heard that it was said long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, and here's a section of scripture of the but I tell you places. Anytime Jesus says, but I tell you, that means he's saying, now, the rest of the story. Now, now how I feel about things, and, and again, he's Savior, he's God, he's Lord. So what he says to us needs to really, uh, we need to take to heart. He says, but I tell you, anyone who's angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fires of hell. Therefore, if you're offering your gift, and, and this, this to me is the verse, I believe, every these two verses, Matthew 5, 23 and 24, are verses that every Christian needs to know and live and practice. Therefore, if you're offering a gift to the altar, and they remember that your brother has something against you, uh, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go be reconciled to your brother, then come offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Uh, do it while you're still uh, with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge. The judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown in prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you paid the last penny. If you've done wrong, if there's an offense, if there's a problem, Jesus is saying in the most simple of words, go fix it immediately, whatever the issue is between you and the other person. Now, let me put this, I'm going to put this over in the message paraphrase. Uh, 
and I know we've looked at this before, but this is one that I really want to see us have sink into our hearts because I believe it is this is this is primary teaching of Jesus. You're familiar with the command to the ancients, do not murder. I'm telling you, anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. I mean, wow. Does that not cut you to the quick? Carelessly call a brother an idiot. For the record, uh, you can ask my dear sister, Jean Whitcomb, about this. Uh, in my case, it's pastor idiot. Uh, there's a story, a comical story behind that, just for the record. Uh, and you... Uh, you just might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister and you're on the brink of hellfire. The simple moral fact is that words kill. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge your friend has against you, abandon your offering, leave immediately. Go to this friend and make it right. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. Or you're out in the street and an old enemy accosts you. Don't lose a minute. Make the first move. Make things right with him. After all, if you leave the first move to him, knowing his track record, you'll likely end up in court, maybe even jail. If that happens, you don't you won't get out without a stiff fine. I mean, there's a fine even for going to jail. Even if the person says, I I release them, I forgive them, let's just put it behind us, they're still going to owe, owe the court fees. I, I, I don't know how to state it any more simply, any, any more plainly than the fact that we need to work out differences with people. And yet, the core, in Corinth, what they were doing, and again, they needed to be taught, they needed to be brought along in, in this way of thinking, is they were taking each other to court. How dare you take each other to court? Now, this this is the message paraphrase again. Uh, and and let's, let's read this message paraphrase. How dare you take each other to court? Uh, when you think you've been wrong, does it make any sense to go before a court that knows nothing of God's ways instead of a family of Christians? The day is coming when the world is going to stand before a jury made up of Christians. Someday, if someday you're going to rule on the world's fate, wouldn't it be a good idea to practice on some of those smaller cases? Why, uh, we weren't even, why, we're even going to judge the angels. That's not a question, it's a statement. Why, we're going to even judge the angels. So why not these everyday affairs? As these disagreements and wrong surface, why would you ever entrust them to the judgment of people you don't trust in any other way? I say this as bluntly as I can to wake you up to the stupidity of what you're doing. Is it possible there isn't one level-headed person among you who can make fair decisions when disagreements and disputes come up? I, I don't believe it. And here you are taking each other to court before people who don't even believe in God. How can they render justice if they don't believe in the God of justice? These court cases are an ugly blot on your community. Wouldn't it be far better just to take uh, just to take it, to let yourselves be wronged, and forget about it? Uh, all you're doing is providing fuel for more wrong, more injustice, bringing more hurt to the people of your own spiritual family. <clears throat> wow, what a challenge. Uh, Paul, in simplest of terms, is saying we shouldn't be doing this with each other. Now, now, a question that comes out of this is, should we ever take another believer to court? 
I, I, I think that there is room. I think there's ample room uh, for us to be able to to do so. Uh, but I think the issue at first is do we work it out, try to work it out with each other first it, as believers? Um, and then if we can't work it out as believers, do we go to uh, Christians whom we trust uh, to th- to think in God's ways and, and who stand upon the scriptures to help us work through the issue. Um, and, and then if that doesn't work, and then you, then you take it to church leadership. And if church leadership, and this is where it's important for church leadership to assess themselves and make sure that they're trustworthy and reputable, that if people had these types of issues, uh, that, that people would come and say, we've got a problem, can you help us work it out? I mean, Church leadership ought to be in place where they can help people work things out. Now, I want to say this. Sometimes you try to work things out, and the other person is not receptive. Uh, I just referenced that uh, situation uh, uh, a few moments ago uh, where someone was wronged. Someone thought they were wronged, and they weren't actually wronged. And so in response, they wronged another person. But yet when they found out that they weren't actually uh, violated, they didn't come back and say, look, I, I, this, this whole thing was misunderstanding. It was, it, we need to go work things. We need to humble ourselves and seek to go work things out. There was a friend who called me in July, and I got back to him here in October. <clears throat> it was just a, a pleasant phone call and a brief message. And I apologize, I said, I'm sorry, uh, it took me so long getting back to you just to chat, but we had a great chat, it was fantastic, And uh, but even in something as small as that, to, to own it, to apologize for it, and yet that seems something that sometimes as Christians we have such a hard time doing, is, is apologizing and saying, I, I thought wrong, I did wrong, I spoke wrong. Uh, and uh, to to try to fix things with another believer. Now, in the midst of all this comes the question, what about with non-believers? Well, again, you might say, well, I, I'm a Christian, they're not a Christian, so I have the right to sue them. Is that the Christian way? Would that would that be the way of Christ? When Jesus, in, in the same chapter, Matthew chapter 5, talks about what to do with your enemies. Uh, it seems like there is a different stance, a different standard, a different way of thinking that that is applied there that, that we need in our own lives to to follow uh, and to apply. So take it to heart, you know. Um, bless those that curse you. Do good to those who do wrong to you. Um, love those who are hard to love. That. That is the way of Jesus. Now, you can dig in, and I'm not going to do it for you here this morning. You can dig into uh, this passage more. You can dig into Scripture. You you can do a search. Should Christians sue? I mean, that that is a broader question. Uh, This passage seems to indicate that Christians shouldn't be suing each other minimally. This passage seems to indicate that believers shouldn't be Turning to the world, and, and uh, just look at our court system. I mean, sometimes there are court rulings that just absolutely don't make any sense whatsoever. And maybe you've seen that within your own family or within your own circumstance. And, and there's a ruling that's given, and it's like, 
This doesn't make sense. Why are they concluding this? It's the world's way of thinking, and, and it's it's not a right way of thinking. So um, I do think that the scriptures do allow room for for lawsuits. I, I, I do think that the, that the scriptures do allow room for, you know, going to a judge. I mean, if you go back into the Pentateuch, as uh, Israel was forming as a nation, uh, maybe without land, but forming as a nation, as the uh, as the laws were given, there were j- laws written about judgments uh, and going to a judge. Early on, everyone went to Moses and said, "Moses, what do we do?" And that's when Jethro said, "Moses, you can't handle all these disputes. You need to go to." You, you know, you, you need to develop a system here, and you need to get rulers over thousands, hundreds, and tens. There might have been another number in there. Thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Maybe that might have been the breakdown uh, of, of numbers. And, and then if they can't solve it, then they can bring it to you. So even in, in that system, God knew that there would be wrongs done among people, and he created a system and a structure for... Uh, Things to be uh, weighed uh, and uh, appropriate conclusions to be made about how to make restitution or how to make things right or what needs to happen in the situation. But in the way of Jesus, the law of love is the highest love. In the way of Jesus, the way of humility uh, is the attitude of heart that that is Christ-like to humble oneself. And so we would take that approach as we think about going to someone else with a lawsuit or, or taking someone uh, before uh, before non-believers. I mean, he goes on in this passage and he talks about how we will, uh, we will judge the world. He talks about how we will judge angels. Uh, and, and so... He says in verse 5, you know, verse 4, if you have disputes about such matters, appoint judges even among uh, men of little account in the church. You know, I sometimes I think that, that we, I, a name in our church family popped into my head as a person that, you know what, if you want to get a fair assessment of the situation, uh, the guy's name is Jeff. I, I think Jeff would give a fair assessment of the situation. Jeff is level-headed and not saying his last name, but those in the know would figure out who it is. I think he's a person you could go to who would help you look at things in, in, in a proper, he's humble, and uh, would help you look at things in a proper manner. Verse 5, he said, is it possible that there's not someone among you wise enough to judge a dispute? Hopefully there will always be someone who could help judge a dispute between believers. However, instead of doing that, they were just going to the law, uh, and it was a mockery of the name of Christ to to go, as it says here in verse 6, instead, uh, one brother goes to law against another, and this in front of unbelievers. Uh, verse 7, the fact that you have lawsuits means you've been completely defeated already. Why not, rather not be wrong? Why rather not be cheated? Uh, instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong in this to your brothers. So, this indicates how we ought not to be living, not bringing lawsuits among brothers 
and sisters, but trying to work out our disagreements, disputes, and problems uh, in a way that honors Christ. That's the call of Christian life. Well, this morning I want to uh, wrap us up here and uh, get us uh, get you into your day. I said this might be a little bit shorter, not a whole lot, I guess, uh, as as things have worked out here. So, Lord, uh, we we do pray for our world today. I want to pray first for Christians that we would live in the way of Jesus, that we would not live in the way of um, Christian nationalism. Uh, which oftentimes lacks humility and, and, and is abusive and abrasive and, and oftentimes I don't think reflects the ways of Jesus, help us to demonstrate to the world around us the ways of Christ, the character of Christ, uh, as we're told in Philippians chapter 2 about how we ought to live and how Jesus is our example in that. So, Lord, help us toward that end as Christians within individual local churches, within relationships within those churches and among local churches. Help us to demonstrate to the world the love of Christ. Lord, as we think of our world, we do pray for situations uh, like Ukraine and the ongoing war. We do think of uh, Israel and Hamas and the Gaza Strip and all that's taking place there and pray that you give that you bring a, a an end to this without more bloodshed. Uh, Father, that that uh, Hamas would go. Okay, we're going to release your prisoners. You release our prisoners, and we're, you know, we're going to go back to zero and, and rethink this whole thing. Lord, that you would intervene in that way. We pray for Benjamin Netanyahu uh, and his cabinet and the IDF leadership, uh, military leadership, that you would give them wisdom to know what they ought to do uh, in this circumstance. Lord, keep people alive. We, we pray especially for the, the, the terrorized hostages that you, would, uh, uh, that you would bring a peace that they would point to as knowing it's a peace that comes from Messiah uh, and that they would experience Messiah and, and, and with the Messiah, the Holy Spirit, bringing them comfort, bringing them peace, and bringing them deliverance. So, Lord, we pray for our world today. Lord, hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, have a good day. We'll see you tomorrow.